0: Welcome to the Be Whole, Do Good podcast. We're your hosts, Todd and Ashley Marchand, and this show is about strengthening families through whole being health. At a time when
1: there is so much that can distract, discourage, and disconnect us, our family is on a journey that is led by three core questions. What whole being practices can we implement so every member of our family can have increased capacity, save your life more deeply, and use their gifts to do good? How do we translate and apply what we learn into simple, tiny habits that work amidst the demands of life? And how can we use our increased capacity to better care for others in our family, community, and throughout the world?
0: Each month, our family focuses on one core area of whole being health. We take the biggest challenges we're facing in that area, seek out answers and direction, and do all we can to implement what we learn. All the while sharing our journey through this podcast so you can learn and grow alongside us.
1: We joyfully invite you and your family to join us on this whole Being Health journey.
0: Welcome back to the Behold Do Good podcast. This month, my family and I are focused on strengthening our physical well being. Most interviews going forward will be Ashley and I together, but the next three weeks will be interviews I previously recorded before we decided to make the shift. Of focusing on strengthening families starting with our own aligned with our focus on physical well-being this month for this interview I had the chance to chat with Erica Hornthal yeah you know I mean we I think when people think of movement they tend to think of exercise and so you know something more intense uh, which is a wonderful part of movement but it's just like a smaller circle within the larger circle of movement and I love what you're alluding to here is is we pay attention to even very small aspects of movement there can be a powerful impact it has on our mind, and as you were talking and describing uh, that that ACE framework, I I picture myself. You know, I know when I when I get discouraged, or mm-hmm. my feelings are hurt, and I'm I'm kind of wallowing in that that uh, that negative, uh, or we'll say uncomfortable emotions that can come with that. Uh, I do exactly that. I tend to have my head, you know, uh, looking down, my shoulders hunched in, you know, some and and that just clear recognition of intentionality of I'm going to lift my head. I'm going to look and connect, uh, you know, rather than looking inward. Let me find something in the outside world that I can be present with. And seek to appreciate in that moment, and then expanding from there. Yeah, you know, I, I think it truly is a powerful, uh, a powerful approach. And and for those who may may think, you know, when when I think about the much larger problems in my life, not just you know, a a bit of stress in a moment, a little bit of tension, but the bigger problems in life that I just feel stuck in, where you know my wheels have been turning and and been trying to change, but I feel stuck here. You know, hearing this, uh, these very simple shifts in our movement may feel like uh, hard to believe that that could help mm. them to get unstuck in these much bigger parts of their life. And so talk to us a little bit about that, you know, the role of, of these very small shifts and even bigger changes that we're looking to experience in our life.
1: Well, for me, I go back to the definition of movement, you know, like you just mentioned, a lot of us hear movement and we automatically assume that it's exercise, but I was actually shocked to relearn or or maybe just discover for the first time, uh, that when you Google movement, the definition, the, the just simple definition of movement is a change or shift in, in perspective or posture. So, hmm. you know, the fact that somewhere down the line we have associated and kind of inter interchanged movement with exercise is just completely so far out there. And that's why we don't recognize or realize all the ways that we could be moving. And then so further, we disconnect the fact that movement is mental health, you know, and how we show up in our body is absolutely connected to how we show up in our minds. So I think just breaking that down and redefining, which was a big part of my book, like redefining what movement is for us individually, recognizing the movement we're already doing, we realize how little movement we do and staying in the movements that we do just continues to keep us stuck, you know, so it can be as simple as challenging, you know, the side of the body that we use, you know, I I say this fairly often. And I think this is also a thing where people are like, how could this actually improve my mental health? Because it's a process, you know, it's not just a one and done type thing. But, you know, engaging in movement with your non-dominant side, So whether that's, you know, doing something pretty benign, maybe like scribbling or doodling, um, if you're feeling a little bit more coordinated, maybe eating, you know, using a fork with your non-dominant hand, brushing your hair, brushing your teeth. Um, We get so complacent and comfortable and familiar with certain movements that unless we challenge them, we will continue to play out the same patterns, thoughts, cycles, behaviors forever. So putting it in that perspective, I think sometimes that gives people permission to see how simple it can be, you know, that, oh, well, you know, I do always cross my left leg over my right. Why is that? I never, you know, like, oh, well, it's just familiar. It's comfortable, whatever. And that, you know, I'm going to do it now. Like if I put my leg down and I just cross my upper leg over, you know, it's not like my depression is lifted or my anxiety goes away. The fact is we're creating new pathways in the brain. You know, we're creating new movement patterns, which creates new patterns in our thinking, right? In our neural pathways, in uh, the the connections, the synapses, you know, fire in our brain. Um, and that's for me where we momentum, potential, cognition, and you know, all these things that we're hoping and expecting language to solve or correct actually is very simple when we just start in the body. Um, And just from a change perspective, you know, oh, change is hard. Well, you can literally change the way you are moving. (laughs) You know, like if I'm stationary, then I can change that by wiggling my fingers. You know, I'm literally seeing change in real time. And that, you know, in order for change to occur, movement has to happen. So rather than jumping into the the deep end, right, and it's kind of funny where, you know, Into almost into the new year, maybe into the new year. And for those of us that are looking to get healthy or work out or lose weight, we go from a pretty sedentary lifestyle to working out at the gym five days a week. How is that sustainable? No wonder people don't follow through, (laughs) right? Yeah. But if I say to myself, you know, I don't go to the gym. I'm going to start by going to the gym once a week, once a week, 30 minutes on the treadmill, whatever, you know, floats your boat. That seems a lot more possible than going every day for a couple of hours. And so a small movement leads to longer, sustainable changes because we actually set ourselves up for success, not failure.
0: Uh, wonderful insights, Erica, and I think it's encouraging You know, as I think about the changes I want to make. You know what you're teaching here is is very very helpful, and it actually brought to mind some of the the wisdom that some of our other collaborators and friends have taught. You know, we recently actually had uh, Alex Korb, who's a neuroscientist out of UCLA, mm-hmm. on on this podcast. And and so the very things you're talking about, uh, we went into greater detail with, with this idea of the neuroplasticity of the brain, our ability to fundamentally change the way mm-hmm. we think and act and behave and experience life, and that that all occurs little by little over repetition mm-hmm. by reinforcing new neural pathways that we want to become our new normal. But that first requires challenging our current... Neural pathways. It's the things that feel like they're a part of who we are. The, right. the are they've, they've become so ingrained, it's our natural behavior. But even those things that feel like they're a part of who we are can be rewired, but it requires intentionality. And that intentionality is much more successful when we do something very small so that it's sustainable. And then we do it over and over and over again to the yeah. point that we then create new ways of thinking and new ways of approaching. And so yeah. I love, I love, um, I love that emphasis. Uh, you know, there's another, uh, one of our friends, BJ Fogg and his sister, uh, Linda are part of the tiny habits Academy and their whole mm-hmm. science, you know, and BJ's out of, out of Stanford. And again, same emphasis, that it's actually by the small and simple things that are done repetitively that we experience the largest impact in our life. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I know I think about how we start out, you know, None of us remember it because it's been so long, but when we learn to walk, it wasn't it wasn't like most animals, right, where they're born and like a few minutes later they're up on their feet. You know, as humans, it takes us a long time if we're able to eventually walk, right? To get to that place a year, a year and a half, you know, conservatively, right, developmentally. And so, think about those small steps, right? That go into these big things that we end up doing, like a small, tiny reach, eye contact, you know, um, following an impulse or, um, you know, a reflex. Those are, I mean, I don't think they're small, but they're on a small scale. Those eventually lead us to walking, which will lead us to, you know, lives, careers, families. Um, it's those early movement patterns too, that develop the self, and so literally, if we're looking to change aspects of ourselves, it makes sense to go back into the body and rewire or just look at how we're wired and patterned. And like you just said, they can be redone. <laughs> they can be rewired. And how we do that is through very small shifts. It's not a, hey, here's five exercises to do every day, you know, like a rehab kind of thing. You'll strengthen that muscle in no time. It's these small almost like unrecognizable movements. I remember being in graduate school and having to kind of take on some of these connectivities and, you know, a, a professor would be like, no, 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 wait, go back. I'm like, I haven't, I haven't even really moved yet. No, you did. <laughs> like that one movement you did was already like enough to go back and i do it again. Okay. You know, so you, you don't even realize how small you can make your movements Um, we, we, we jump into that. We move so quickly, you know, that we're already in the kind of that autopilot. So I really appreciate that emphasis. If you're saying small movements, small habits lead to big change.
0: Yeah. And it's so, it's so encouraging to think I can actually change the way I'm experiencing life. You know, this Mm -hmm. constant anxiety, I feel it's not, it's not that anxiety will be eliminated. You know, I I love this idea of uh, Ashley DeLello, uh calls it the law of contrast. That actually an important part of happiness is experiencing sadness. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that contrast helps to us to understand and appreciate happiness. Or you know that that we need to experience some degree of 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 uh, the opposites in order to uh, grow the positives in our life. Mm-hmm. And and so it, we won't eliminate those things but that we can fundamentally change our ability to work through them, to have them move through our bodies in a way that we can live in a more liberated way. But again, that those things happen as a spiral. It's not like we jump from one state to another, that we we want to create an upward spiral and the upward spiral of momentum happens through small and simple shifts. And, and that our body is one of those tools. There's a lot of tools. There's a lot of parts of our, ourself that when we improve one part of our wellness, the rest lifts because everything's interconnected. But one of those really important tools is our body and and how we how we move our bodies. And I love that emphasis. So that's where we started, you know, when we uh, first began life. So maybe one one last question, you know, Erica, you you mentioned that one of the things that you observe that's that's you know fairly universal in our modern society is that we're just moving less often. And that, you know, to some degree, one of the main challenges you emphasize also is that we all have certain movements that we've become comfortable and familiar with that we do on repeat. And so challenging those, becoming aware of them, challenging them, expanding them is very useful. Do you have any other perspective on in our modern society, what are some of the common challenges of movement that you see uh, affecting a lot of us? And, and maybe some thoughts on some of those small shifts that address those areas.
1: A big one for me is this umbrella of technology, you know, that I understand the predicament, right? I mean, look, this podcast wouldn't be happening without technology. So I appreciate it. And... I don't think a lot is really understood or even looked at when it comes to how the use of technology influences our movement. Um, I kind of, it's kind of a joke, but not, I remember writing in the book that, you know, we used to have to go to our neighbor's house to talk to them, right. To engage with them. Um, You know, then, then they invented, you know, then we had the telephone, right. Which, Hey, great invention, right? But now all I have to do is pick up a receiver, right? And call my neighbor. So all of a sudden I'm not walking, right? I'm not gesturing as I'm talking to them. I'm not making eye contact. There's really a lot less relational movement happening. And and now, (laughs) jump forward, right? Now we just text. I mean, it's very rare that I get a phone call. (laughs) And, And so now we're limiting our movements even more. And it's just to like our fingertips. And again, there's so many reasons that technology is beneficial. We just need to be responsible with it. And that means responsible with how we show up in our movements, in our bodies, when we're engaging in technology. You know, there's studies now, right, that are saying like sitting is the new smoking. Well, you know, a lot of that is actually on us to change. We don't have to be sitting for that long all the time. Um, And if you have a desk job, I understand, you know, that a lot of the job requires. Being at a desk, Uh, but that doesn't mean that we can't take movement breaks. You know that we can't be intentional with our lunch break or uh, take the stairs or at least just stretch. Right, get up and stretch your body. Take five minutes to look around the room, blink your eyes, take your eyes away from the screen. So, you know, I recognize how my movement changes when I'm on a screen, and certainly how my mental health changes. Not to mention when we're on social media, you know the visuals that we see um, it, it impacts our attention span, you know, just from gosh, the beginning of the pandemic to now the length of videos, right. That we used to be able to watch 32nd video. Now we're lucky if it's six seconds, you know, so it's just really changing everything, um, about how we, how we move, how we connect to our own bodies. And it really, if we allow it to perpetuates distraction, And then we're distracted, right, from our emotions, which we're talking about moving through them. And then we look for the easy way out, you know, what's the uh, instant gratification of getting rid of my anxiety. And I'm not opposed to medication, but oftentimes that's the go-to instead of doing the work, right, of like, what is this that I'm feeling? How can I meet myself in that place? And how can I move through or support my own body mind? To you know, relate to my anxiety, my fear, my depression, whatever that is. Um, it's it's a dangerous talking about a spiral, right? I think it's a dangerous downward spiral, and I just think we need to be a little bit more aware at the very least, right? Of how our body shows up when we're engaging in things like technology because it's it's everywhere. It's everywhere,
0: and, and it's not going to go away. And so, no, and, uh, and for good reason, right? Yeah, we don't it, want it's it advanced
1: to. our our society in so many ways.
0: Right. And so it's more a matter of how do we become more in- intentional in our use? You know, it, it makes me think of one of my mentors. He, like me, his business is surrounded around providing education and growth and learning opportunities online. And so almost everything he does is going to be sitting at a desk and uh, and it's similar to me, but what he has has learned to do is he sets a timer. Every time he sits down at his desk, he sets a timer and it's actually 16 minutes. So it's, it's actually quite frequent. And so that timer will go off in 16 minutes and there's some research that that's based off of, but then as soon as that goes off at a minimum, he'll stop, he'll stretch you know he'll he'll lift his arms above his head you know oftentimes he'll drop into a set of burpees or or just you know anything you know and that's <laughs> yeah. that's his personality but he'll find a way to move and and i think this is a great evidence again of the power of our mind body connection because all of us can relate with that feeling when we've sat at our desk and we've been hunched in that same position and we've been working and then we get to that point of brain fatigue and part of that's just the capacity of our brain to engage in in concentration and deep work but it's incredible that when you take Take a moment to stop in the midst of that and you move your body or you get your heart rate up a little bit or you do a stretch and a deep breath how fresh your brain can become in a matter of moments and that just shows the power our body has on our mind and vice yeah. versa. Well Erica, absolutely wonderful to chat with you I I don't know that I ever told you this but as we've gone through you know my wife is just an incredibly aware and intelligent individual but at one point we were going through a bunch of curriculum that had been you know produced by some of our collaborators she saw this this lesson topic change your movement to change your life. And Mm -hmm. of all these wonderful topics uh, and lessons and thought leaders, that one just stood out to her. And the reason Mm -hmm. why is she, she actually, a few years ago, decided to pursue a a goal, a dream of hers of being certified as a yoga instructor. And Mm -hmm. so it's one of those things that, you know, there's hundreds of hours you engage in this training process. And, and what, what happened was a little Mm -hmm. bit unanticipated as Mm -hmm. she began to focus on her movement in very intentional ways. Through that yoga training, all of a sudden, her heart began to open up. And there was Mm. these kind of buried traumas that began to be able to be surfaced and processed. There was this clarity that began to happen in her mind that allowed her to begin to be, you know, make changes and shifts within her mind. And it ended up being one of the most, you know, healing experiences of her life, uh, where she changed her movement and it fundamentally changed her life. And so the things that you've taught today, yeah, you know, they're, they're very personal. To our family, uh, we, we know of their reality and their power and grateful for the work that you're doing to help, to help to teach it. So our, our audience members who, who would love to engage with you further, where, where can they find you, Erica?
1: Oh, these days, I feel like the best way to connect is, ironically, through technology, <laughs> through social media. Um, I'm pretty vocal on uh, pretty present, I guess I should stay, say on uh, Instagram. So you can follow me at the therapist who moves you. Um, but people can always reach out through my website, ericahornthal.com. Don't hesitate to email me. My phone number is listed. I, I really, truly love to connect to people that are also interested in how to use movement to better and um, you know better enhance their mental and physical and spiritual existence. So um, yeah, those would probably be the best ways.
0: Wonderful. And I invite anyone who, who you know, this talk today really resonates with, please check out Erica's book, uh, Body Aware. Uh, it's packed full of, of wisdom and insight. Uh, Erica, thank you so much for joining the show today.
1: Thanks for having me. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to this interview with Erica Hornthal. Ever since Ashley and I decided it was time for us to lead behold, Do Good together with the increased focus of Strengthening Families, We've been hitting the whiteboard and brainstorming. We're in the midst of creating a number of ways to support you and your family, including an emphasis on helping your family develop strong emotional regulation skills, which we see as being an important need right now. If that sounds of interest to you, head on over to beholddogood.com and sign up for our weekly newsletter at the bottom of our homepage so you can be kept up to date as those support offerings are launched in the coming weeks. We hope you have a wonderful day.